Welcome to the Run Better Podcast from Snackable Inspirations, where we talk to business leaders about employee engagement, experience, and motivation. For show notes and bonus content, visit snackableinspirations.com forward slash podcast. And remember, corporate learning and communications should not feel like work. If you want to truly engage your employees and create a measurable impact, share bite-sized videos made by people they want to hear from. If you'd like to learn how to do this for your business, get in touch with us at Snackable Inspirations. All right, let's get started. Hi, I'm Carrie Barrett. I am a business development specialist with Board Studios. One of our initiatives is to help company leaders and managers connect with their employees through bite-sized videos. So today, to that end, we're joined by Melanie Wurzberger. She's the founder of Shaka. She's been working in employee engagement for two years. Melanie, how are you? It is lovely to have you here. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on the show. Uh, I can't wait to talk to you. The employee engagement, culture, all of that stuff. It wasn't that long ago that they were they were certainly not the buzzwords that they are today. They were more of like a nice to have, not necessarily a need to have, but the workforce is changing. The expectations of employees are changing. And certainly what we've been through over the past 18 to 24 months in terms of the pandemic and remote teams, et cetera, et cetera, has made all of this sort of front and center when it comes to speaking about how we retain employees, how we how we help them feel fulfilled in their positions, lower turnover rate, the whole nine yards. We'll get into all of that in just a second. Before we do, though, would you mind introducing yourself to our audience and and letting us know why why you got involved in employee engagement, what you do? Absolutely happy to. And I totally agree. I think these terms have come up more and more. And especially this new term, the great resignation that's been happening has brought all of this to the forefront again. So it's been a very timely space for me to enter, but really my experience didn't begin. My career didn't begin in employee engagement or even HR. Um, My background is actually in finance. However, I had an experience as an employee at a company that was a late stage startup. They were growing very quickly. Um, And unfortunately, I got to kind of sit back and watch what happens when you don't have the reins on your culture and employee engagement begins to fall. And at this organization, unfortunately, people just didn't feel like they belonged. They didn't feel valued. um, And we really saw turnover skyrocket. And I became really passionate about this problem and solving this problem. And that is what led me to transition my career more towards employee engagement and really launch my company, Shaka, to write my book on Gen Z and company culture. So I'm really excited to share some of those insights with you all today. And I can't wait to talk about Gen Z and sort of the, the the generational workforce, meaning like, you know, place of employment that has to understand that different generations have different expectations. They perhaps communicate differently. Certainly, I include myself in this to have different abilities when it comes to technology, which has been a huge part of the way that we work, especially over the past 24 months. Before we jump into all of that, I'd love to ask you just sort of high level. You touched on this a little bit, but Sometimes I think it's still hard for people to understand the impact 
that engagement has on an organization, on the workforce there. Can you, can you talk to us about what, how deep that impact goes and what it looks like? Absolutely. So for someone like me, who's passionate about this, I think really what gets us excited about employee engagement is understanding the impacts it has on people's well-being, on their psychological happiness. But for someone who this isn't maybe their cup of tea, what typically tends to hit home and realize like, hey, employee engagement is important, is that research has shown it really has a big impact on business outcomes. So one that I highlighted was turnover. Uh, Companies with high employee engagement get to benefit from 24% lower employee turnover, 21% higher productivity, and 10% higher customer satisfaction scores. Those all came from Gallup's research, not my personal research of many, many companies. And to me, that sounds like Okay, lower turnover, so happy employees, higher productivity, so happy investors, and higher customer satisfaction scores, so happy customers. And I think if you asked any business leader if they would like happy employees, investors, and customers, they'd say, yes, where do I sign up? And it all comes back to this root of employee engagement and how do we keep our people happy? It's so important. So so tell me, Melanie, <laughs> how do you keep your employees happy? And how do you structure that when you have a, a wide generation gap between the people who are, you know, perhaps just graduating and those who are getting ready to retire? Because the differences in communication styles, you know, and I don't want to paint with a broad brush, we're all capable of learning, but technology, I mean, ha- jump into that if you can. Absolutely. How do you do this? (laughs) So I think that is where the the opportunity has lied for me in my career and where people really don't have a lot of answers right now. I think that there's a lot of tools out there that have been used to diagnose employee disengagement. There's surveying tools. There's people who will look at your company and tell you, hey, your employees are disengaged and this is your problem but there's not a lot of prescription going on. Uh, so I like to say that I'm, I'm building my product, Shaka, and I'm building my career to be not the doctor of employee engagement, but more of a pharmacist. Like, how can I give you some solutions to relieve this problem? Um, so some of the things that I broadly see work is, is first, I'll start with what you touched on, is the companies that realize that employee engagement is not one size fits all are the most successful about this. And (laughs) that sounds really difficult, but the more you can tailor the employee experience to each individual employee, no matter their age, their stage of life, their location, the more you can personalize an employee experience, the better your overall employee engagement scores are going to be at your company because employees want to be treated as an individual. And in, in my research on the youngest generation, this seems to be ringing true more than ever. Um, this is a very indiv- individualistic generation. And, you know, 74% of them responded that they want their managers and teammates to know them 
as people and on an individual personal level, as well as on a professional level. So that's kind of very interesting and a, a shift of mindset, but I also think it's something that any manager can put into practice pretty quickly is like, let me get to know what these people want on a very individual level. Um, another thing that I see as kind of a, a broad solution and, and that I think isn't talked about enough is friendships at work. And this is so interesting to me. Um, another study done by Gallup was focused on studying people who had best friends at work. And this went across over 15 million employees and less than 30% of them reported that they felt they had a best friend at work. However, when they did, they were seven times more likely to be engaged. And employees that did not have a best friend at work were only one in 12 chance that they were engaged at work. So that's like mind blowing to me. That seems like such a huge solution. And not only that, but the research went further to show that those employees were also reporting that they were happier and healthier in their personal lives too, which then if you're an HR professional out there, you're like, hey, healthier. Okay. Our insurance money, that's going to go down. Like there's another way you can can justify investing in this. So, you know, what I really encourage companies to do is these friendships were being made at the water cooler. Um, and that's possibly a thing of the past now. And I think it's important that we find new ways to include social interaction in our workplaces, that managers encourage friendships to be formed, and that maybe what your company could do is without losing their diverse hiring practices, can you promote employees asking their friends, hey, are you interested in moving jobs? Do you have relevant skills that you could work at my company? Because there's a way that without building the friendships inside of work, you can also help create more friendships at work for your employees too. And it will make them a lot more sticky. Uh, so I know I just kind of put a lot out there, but I'll wrap that up with once again, my research on Gen Z backed this. Um, and as I surveyed them, I found that 94% of them hoped to have friends at work. And I think that's such a, it's such a small thing, but no manager would tell you, oh yeah, I was focused on helping my employees make friends this month. I, I've never heard it. <laughs> I've been, I've been yeah. for 20 years. Never heard that. I've heard a lot of stuff, but that's not one of them. It's interesting. I'm so glad that you touched on how you execute on building the friendship, right? So how do you do that, right? Maybe, and maybe it starts with, with, with bringing in friends who have relevant skills. And again, you know, without deconstructing um, diverse hires, et cetera, but bringing in that, that social structure that's already sort of the foundation is already laid. I want to backtrack for a second though, because you mentioned prior to talking about building friendships at work, personalizing communication, making it very sort of individual, individualistic, right? And that is, that's a huge thing because the communication styles, especially of different generations can be, um, can be quite extreme. But when, when I, I imagine when an employer here is like, make all of your communication individual, they're like, 
I don't, how the heck do I do that? I have no idea how to execute on something like that. Do you have some tactics or strategies about maybe it's technology, maybe it's tools, maybe it's just, you know, standard operating procedures, but how do you execute on the idea of individualizing or personalizing communication, especially in larger organizations? I totally agree with you. HR has so much on their plate and they're often also put in charge of employee engagement and culture and to tell them, hey, can you personalize this for every employee? They're like, yeah, you're crazy. Um, And so that is part of the solution we're trying to build at Shaka is enabling them to launch a ton of team building programs and engagement and camaraderie programs at once on a larger scale. And so that employees can pick and choose what really interests them. So I think that I don't have a perfect solution for teams that don't have, you know, a technology budget or a budget for a person to specialize in employee communications and culture. Um, But I think that there is ways that you can look at your programs that you are running for culture today and evaluate, are you expecting and measuring employee participation in all of them and are the same 20 people participating every time? And if the same group of people are participating in your wellness challenge, your happy hours, your um, holiday parties, then maybe you need to switch up some of your programming so that you're you're touching different groups of employees. And holistically, that's what we're trying to do with our product at Shaka. But I think companies can do that too. I think they need to stop expecting and aiming for, hey, we want to have really high employee adoption on this one. Like we're running a fall event and we're going to see how many people we can get to participate. You need to do more micro things that touch different areas of your employee population. Because if you can capture them with small events or small activities and cover more of your broad base of employees, that's going to be much more impactful than dedicating all your budget to one huge event that only your 20-year-old employees attend. So that's my advice for companies is look at what you're running and make sure that you have something for your employees at every stage of life. And it's not just the same population benefiting from your engagement programs over and over again. Are there big initiatives or um, projects that you're working on that you are excited about? The book was probably my last big initiative that I was so excited to, to finish up. And if any of the listeners of the show would like a copy of the book, I just encourage you to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to share it. It is available in the Kindle store today, but I'd be happy to send you a copy. But right now we're focusing on um, a mentorship tool. I think mentorship has really been interesting to me. And when I studied Gen Z, that was one of their largest asks was 95% of Gen Zers said that they want a mentor at their company. So we're looking at how we can incorporate that into our product, but I also think it's something universal out there that anyone listening could 
whether your company has a, a mentorship program or you want to start one, or you just want to reach out to a new employee that you seem to really enjoy and offer to be their mentor, um, it's something so easy for everyone to get involved in and maybe spend an hour or a quarter with that new employee. So that's something really exciting to me that we are working on and how can mentorship be structured in, in circles? Is it reverse mentoring? Uh, these are new trends coming to the forefront of, you know, it's not always just a tenured employee helping a younger employee, but as you're mentioning with technology, there's a lot of reverse mentoring that can occur now uh, where we have something of value to give back. And I think that that creates a really interesting relationship. Now, I'm sure there are things that you see people that, uh, you know, or businesses do on the regular that you know from your experience and your research, like these things just, they don't work or maybe they never did, or maybe they don't now because of the workforce and the challenges that we're, we're experiencing. What are some of those, like, are there through lines, I guess, you know, people are, people always do this and this doesn't work because they either don't have the process or they don't do the right follow-up. And then are there things that perhaps people should be trying, you mentioned friendship, you mentioned, um, you mentioned personalizing conversations and in communications. Are there other things that, that work regularly that businesses just don't haven't adopted yet? The first one that comes to my mind with ones that don't work is weekly happy hours. <laughs> and I think every company <laughs> is doing this. So I'm sorry if I just offended some listeners. Uh, but I, I talk to a lot of potential customers, a lot of companies out there that tell me, oh, we don't need your product. We're doing weekly happy hours. I'm like, when was the last time you asked your entire employee base if they enjoy the weekly happy hours? Um, because from what I'm hearing, it's, it's not effective. I'm not saying to never do them. Um, and I think that there's a difference between doing like a social hour with your immediate team than just hopping on a company-wide Zoom call and <laughs> do so let's it. Let's be honest, you never go out for an actual happy hour with everybody in your company. And there's some people you'd prefer to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and I think people like when you truly think about, okay, I'm going to sit at home for an hour behind a camera with a drink all on my own but I'm going to talk to people on the camera, you know, that's so interesting that we think that will work. And from what I'm hearing from employees, it, it's not having the impact you want to have. It's not creating those one-on-one -on -one friendships. Like it is just, in my opinion, a little bit of a, a waste of time to be doing it every week, yeah. not to be occasionally doing them. No, well, One, it's like, really, you want to add another hour of Zoom calls to my already Zoom fatigued day? Like, I get the point. The, the, the intention is probably accurate, but the execution towards the goal is it didn't come to fruition. Exactly. Yeah. And I think there's tools that are making it better. Mm -hmm. um, I've come across, I wish I knew the name of it off the top of my head, but there is a video tool that's kind of pushing employees into like three minute breakout rooms or two minute breakout rooms to talk about one thing. And I think when you can have those more smaller conversations, uh, some intentional rewarding relationships and sentiment might come out of the session. But when you have 
20 people on one screen. You don't really want to speak up. It's It doesn't feel natural and you don't feel comfortable and it doesn't actually produce the value that well, teams we, are hoping it will. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned this and I, I, I won't belabor the point, but when you think about like an actual happy hour, you know, whether you're going to have a glass of wine or not, you're just going to go have a seltzer. Like the, there's maybe a group of, I don't know, five to 10, but, but it usually ends up that two or three people pair off and they sort of have their own conversations. And that's where those relationships and the engagement and the friendships that you mentioned, that's where all of that is created. It's not at a large table with everybody yelling. It, we just assume we can take this model and move it over to a digital format, but it just, the experience is different. Right. Like what if you had to stand up at the table of 10 people every <laughs> min five minutes you wanted to talk and make your point? Like that would be so awkward. Yeah. And, and everybody what... interrupted you and said, you're on mute. You're on mute. We can't see you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that's off. what we're experiencing. So there's ways to do smaller breakout sessions that are, are more impactful. Um, and to get back to your question of what is something that can be easily adopted that I'm not seeing a ton of companies try, but when they do it, it's really great. That would be culture committees. Um, I truly believe that putting culture committees together with employees from each department that seem invested in building and growing your company's culture is really impactful. Um, not only do you empower people to step up and take a leadership role that shows they care about your organization, but also now you have these little voices around your company who can promote these culture events, who can encourage people to get involved that are close to them rather than just the HR team messaging hey, we're going to run a wellness challenge this month. And you're like, oh, another email from HR. No, what if it's someone on your team that's in your Monday morning meeting who's like, oh yeah, I have one more thing to add. My culture committee planned this for us all. Can you, like, I encourage you to participate if it's something you're interested in. Yeah. That is so much more impactful. Um, employees feel like they're involved you're going to get higher participation and you should rotate those culture committees annually or maybe every year and a half. Um, but it's something that's so easy to put together. And honestly, HR teams, this is taking some work off your plate. It's allowing other employees to have 30 minutes where they're out of their regular day-to-day -day focus of I'm staring at my computer screen, focusing on the same thing. It, it's just been so successful at many, many companies. Such a smart thing to do. And I'm glad you, that's a real great like tactic or strategy to actually execute on some of these higher level ideas that we're talking about, which are also important. That's where the conversation goes. Let me ask you this. What are the trends that you see perhaps, you know, coming down the pike or what, or what trends do you see when it comes to employee engagement? Um, you know, and it may have something to do with where we find ourselves specifically as this pandemic continues, or perhaps hopefully fingers crossed begins to wind down. What do you see coming? I am seeing a lot of that individual experience. People are starting to realize um, people want to be met where they are. Um, and maybe that's at home. Maybe that's just at their current mental stage, like meet me where I am, bring, give me what I need. 
Um, I'm seeing a lot of benefits and perks that aren't like just insurance and 401k, but I'm seeing companies, I heard a really cool company is partnered with a nanny organization where if you're working at home and your kids are home from school that day, they'll send an in-house nanny to their employees' houses. So just these different perks that are, are coming to the pipeline that are really interesting that, wow, that company cares about my success here. Um, that's a trend I'm seeing. I am also seeing a kind of a reversal of, of companies have been focused on helping people plug in and how can we be more productive? Like there's a lot of tools out there that say they're an employee engagement tool, but they're really a productivity tool. Like why are yes, yes. <laughs> and, right? All of a sudden, your OKRs and setting your OKRs and tracking your progress towards them, or tracking like your um, career progression is an engagement tool. And in some ways, it is, but it has to be used for the right purpose. And I think this separation of productivity and engagement is occurring, and understanding that by pouring into engagement eventually you will see the results of productivity. You don't need to stack them on top of each other from day one. Yeah. It's more of a, of a long game. You know, it's not an necessarily an immediate. And I love that you've mentioned, because we have, you know, I, I know that you work a lot with um, young, younger generations, certainly generation Z. And I love that you pointed out that it used to be you just, you know, throw a title or some money at someone and everything was fine. Now it's much more about purpose and mission and growth and experience and all of that other stuff, which is, which is incredibly important to remember as we come up with plans to increase engagement, build culture, et cetera, et cetera. Is there anything that, that you think is important for people to know that I have not asked you or anything that you want to share that we haven't touched upon? I guess my message that I always like to share, especially being that I focus so much of my career and research on Generation Z is for all of the employees out there that might not be in Generation Z, um, it's important to look at these shifts that we see in different age groups, but look at the benefits that they're bringing into your organization. Look at what they're doing to promote work-life balance and how it's going to help you. I think there's a lot of negative talk from younger generations towards older ones and vice versa. Um, and a lot of what I've focused my research on is looking at not only the weaknesses of an incoming generation and how can we prepare for them, but also the strengths and the great changes they're going to bring. Um, I think if you look at millennials, they championed in this focus on mental health. That was never a conversation that companies had before millennials. And they also started to bring in more work-life balance. Like, hey, it's okay to have a family and a career and your kid can sit on your lap in your Zoom call if you need them to. And so I think we should be excited about the different changes that occur. and. I hope that the audience feels more open to these shifts after they hear me speak and not like, oh my gosh, an another thing to prepare for. And so um, just, yeah, read the book and get excited about how can we, how can we make new people 
feel comfortable and prepare our workplaces for their success. It's the standard sort of old adage about, you know, the younger generation being touchy-feely or snowflakes is the word that we've heard (laughs) lately that gets thrown around a lot. But if you're not in a position where you can understand that change is the only constant it will all each generation that comes in will have its own style its own purpose its own mission you know overall anyway that's quite different from generations prior because of their lived experiences and if you shut that down or if you view it entirely in a negative way you're not doing anybody any favors including your bottom line uh so i I appreciate you bringing that up you mentioned the book I'd love to just reiterate one more time where people can find it. And then if people, Melanie, would like to reach out to you because they need your consulting or they need your your services within their organization, or they just like to learn more about you, where should they go? Sure. So um, the the book is called Company Culture for the Next Generation. That can be found on the Kindle store right now. Um, We are working on getting it out more widely with a publisher, but we were able to self-publish on the Kindle store to get our research out there quickly. But you can also um, email contact at joinshaka.com and that will get forwarded on to me if you mention the podcast and the book. Um, That was contact at joinshaka.com. And I'm Melanie Wurzberger. You can definitely find me on LinkedIn as well. I share more of my insights there. Um, But that email address is also our website. It's up in my video here if you're watching us live. But joinshaka.com is kind of my central hub if you want to get in touch. Very good. And congratulations on the book. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was was fun. It was great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Run Better podcast from Snackable Inspirations, where we talk to business leaders about employee engagement, experience, and motivation. For show notes and bonus content, visit snackableinspirations.com forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you would subscribe, like, and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to engage employees. Thanks and see you soon.